Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you this day from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, remember that time somebody tried to send pipe bombs to some of the most powerful men and women in our country? Remember that time someone shot up a synagogue because they were afraid of immigration? Remember that time that college bar got shot up? Remember that time giant wildfires tore across all of California? Remember the Australian terrorism, the Somalian bombing? Like, they seem farther away than they actually were. Things just move so fast. I can't even keep track. But it feels a lot longer than days or weeks since some of these things started. We can't even pay attention to things that long before something else happens. We can't even begin to process what's actually happened before we're on to the next thing to be outraged or grief-stricken about. And while I feel like I start way too many of my sermons being afraid of whatever's on the news and that I should probably just stop watching it. Even without all the connectivity, things have been this bad for a long time. I don't think anybody's actually surprised by it anymore, which might be the biggest disappointment, though. We're really done with whatever great atrocity happened within 48 hours. We found somebody to blame for it. We moved on and we're ready for the next bad thing to happen. These are harder and harder to recognize as symptoms of the end days that we have all felt ever since Jesus said they were coming. The only way we can deal with them this quickly is to try and process them into blame. Otherwise, you have to go about mourning. But if it's blame, you got somebody to be mad at. You've got an enemy to fight and so you can get on with your day. Whose fault was this one? Red or blue? Whose fault was this one? And what policy can I advocate that will make me feel like I'm at least not a part of the crowd that is responsible? Blame. But of all of it, the government occupation, the terrorism, the disease, the disaster, the death. These were the very same things that the Pharisees brought to lay at the feet of Jesus and ask him a really important question. And I honestly understand what they're after this time. Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? If you really are who you say you are, how much longer is all of this going to happen until you fix it? And, well... We can relate. So we end up talking about God's kingdom like it's sometime in the future. We always do. It's heaven. Man, I tell you, it'll be great there. Be water slides and all the people I like and none of the ones I don't. It's the resurrection. That new and perfect body that will no longer suffer under the consequences of sin. That will no longer wrestle with that last great enemy death. It is the second coming of Christ when he will separate the sheep from the goats. Because, well, we're convinced God's kingdom can't be here. It can't look like this. And the Lord replies, The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is. And the days are already here. 
when we want to see the kingdom of God, but we cannot for the life of us find it. Because honestly, if it was my kingdom, and I really could just stop all of the bad things from happening, I mean, like, wouldn't you? Are you honestly telling me you're content because you've got somebody to be mad at? If you could just really snap your fingers and set right everything that is wrong, erase everyone who is doing that. It's tempting. The thing Jesus reminds us is that that happened a few times. Happened in the days of Noah, when the people became so ungodly that the only thing that would set the world aright was a flood that covered the very tops of the mountains and destroyed. It happened in the days of Lot, when those in Sodom and Gomorrah did more than just immoral acts behind closed doors. But they believed that their wealth and their power were enough to build for themselves a utopia where the only thing that really mattered was being happy in that moment anyway. God took both of those times and he set right every last thing that was wrong. He got rid of every last person who was hurting somebody else. In the aftermath, there was nobody left to blame. They were just gone. But it wasn't pleasant. We forget sometimes that if God really did just go ahead and get rid of everyone who caused harm to somebody else, everyone who made the world worse, everyone who was just complacent in the world being this bad, everyone who even tried but didn't actually manage to fix what's wrong and actually help the people in need but just sort of settle for feeling good about, you know, being on the right side of things, you know, everyone who sinned, that'd be us. If God brought forth his kingdom by making sure that there was nobody causing harm inside of it. It would be pretty empty. And it's not that folks back then weren't told either. Noah preached and built an ark in public for a hundred years while the people went on with their lives convinced that it wouldn't be them who faced the wrath. Those in Sodom were warned. And they just kept right on buying and selling, living their lives, because they were convinced It was the other side that had it coming. There was nothing that was going to happen to them. And then it was too late. The end of the church year is something I'm really uncomfortable preaching because it talks about these things. I would rather sort of have my blame and lament. But here God gives us a chance to reflect and sort of wonder how much justice do we really want to see done to sinners? Because God really could set everything aright again. You guys sinning? I'll light you on fire. Piece of cake. Your family skipping church? Drown them in a flood. God could do it. The power of God was evident, but the kingdom was very empty. If you spend all of your days looking for God to punish evildoers, everyone who you are blaming for whatever latest atrocity you're upset about, the kingdom of God will not be observed. And if you spend all of your time looking for a perfect place where everyone is happy all the time and everyone has plenty of money and nobody is sick, the kingdom of God will not be observed. And still over and over and over again, we try and build this kingdom by harboring hatred for enemies, by convincing ourselves that if we win the right election, if we fight the right war, if we build the right community that has the right people in it, Everything will be perfect. And that will be God's kingdom. We keep trying. But it gets uglier and uglier each time. But Jesus answers the Pharisees so desperate to see God's kingdom, not with a when, but with a where. Behold, 
The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The kingdom of God isn't where there are no sinners. The kingdom of God is where God is. Heaven is not a cloud. Heaven is wherever Jesus is. And Jesus was in the midst of sinners. Still is, too. God dwells with sinners. God is for sinners. Jesus takes on human flesh to stand in front of the Pharisees, who as much as we love to convince ourselves are the enemy, the bad guy, the ones to blame for every last bad thing that has happened, were honestly just trying their very best to live their lives as good neighbors, as pious men, and as good citizens of their community. Honestly, they were just trying to figure out why all these bad things kept happening if they were trying so hard to be good people. Where is the kingdom of God? Well, it's when Jesus took on flesh to even bleed and die for them, to even answer them, to even try his very best to comfort and soothe their fears. The Lord came into this world not to punish, but to suffer many things. For the day of the Son of Man is revealed just like the day of Noah and just like the day of Noah. There was judgment, but it was on the cross where Jesus bled and died that sin would be punished because all of the harm done is not okay. God is every bit as upset about every last thing in the news as you are. He is so upset that he is willing to do something about it. Our Lord comes into this world to bear the wrath of sin, to bear the consequences of sin, to bear the burdens and the death born of sin. Jesus bled and died to save sinners like me and like you, that your sins would be forgiven because he was punished. Your sins are forgiven. All the sins are forgiven. And that changes how we look at one another. That changes the blame that we try to sling against the other side. Because Jesus said that it was his fault when he died on the cross so that sinners would have mercy rather than blame. He took upon himself every last fault and said, punish me. And he was. And it is finished that all would have mercy. Even the ones who are wrong sometimes. Even the ones who actually make the world worse. Because mercy is for sinners who actually sin, like me, and like you, and like yours, and even like your enemies. Mercy is for all. It was for Noah, who just about as soon as he got off that ark, passed out drunk and naked. The kingdom of God was there, where his shame was covered, and his sins forgiven. It was where Noah hoped in God who helped even those of us who didn't deserve it because that's what mercy actually is. The day of the Son of Man is revealed. Look up to a cross and find it. God's kingdom is not so far away. It's not your job to build it. God's kingdom, God's kingdom has already been made evident where sinners would be saved. Look to the cross when we face dark days and know that God's kingdom can even exist down here in darkness because God insists on being with you to carry you through it. The kingdom of God is right here because God is right here for you. The kingdom can exist down here because God comes to you down here in body and in blood for you to eat and drink for forgiveness and life and salvation. God's kingdom can exist down here because God's word and promise do what they say. And these things exist for dark days to carry sinners through to glory revealed those three days after the kingdom was made manifest on the cross. God's kingdom was to bring us through death and unto resurrection. And we have seen it done. And we know that it's ours so that we can finally have peace even as dark as it gets whenever I turn on the news. For Christ is still risen from the dead. None of those stories have changed that fact.
Christ is still risen from the dead, and even now he sends forth his Holy Spirit to sustain his church in the very same hope that sustained Noah and sustained Lot, though they were sinners both. It doesn't come as the world observes, but it is here, and it is now, because God is here for you, right now, to forgive and to strengthen, to call you holy, not because you chose the right side, but because his love for sinners was so great that he would bleed and die to unite us together into something bigger than ourselves. God's kingdom is just where it promised, where he promised it would be. It is where our Heavenly Father gives us his Holy Spirit, so that by his grace, we believe his holy word and lead godly lives here in time and there in eternity. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds into life everlasting. Amen.